Season four of Formative is brought to you by the generous support of Macy's Inc., whose purpose is to create a brighter future with bold representation for underrepresented youth so we can realize the full potential of every one of us. Thank you for joining us for season four. This season of the show, we've got great students hosting from all over the city and fabulous guests from government, education, entertainment, and more. Today, to kick us off, Shanika Hope joins us. She's the Director of Education for Social Impact at Google, and she's going to share some of what it's like being a woman in tech and how she got to where she is today. Hello and welcome. I'm Rachel Gazdick, CEO of New York Edge, and my co-host today is Emily from IS295. Tell us a little bit about who you're going to be interviewing today, and are you excited to be speaking with them? Yes, I'm going to interview Dr. Shanika Hope, and I'm excited because I want to learn more about her. Can I ask a question of Emily before we get started? Because I'm just curious just to know her. Just anything you want to share about yourself. I'm just curious. I'm in eighth grade and I go to PSIS 285. It's in Queens Village. I got my high school results and I'm going to Brooklyn High School of the Arts recently. Yeah. So like when I was like a kid, I always had like a passion to dance. So the high school that I'm going to is a high school like for arts. So it has dancing, singing, things like that. So it just like, I applied there because of dancing. Okay. And I, you know, Emily, it's funny. I love to hear you say when you were a kid. <laughs> I think that's fascinating. But congratulations. That's a big deal. My Thank daughter you. is a dancer. She does point ballet. She actually got into the Duke Ellington School of Arts here in Washington, D.C. Uh, she also plays the trumpet. So I know exactly what you're describing. But that's a pretty rigorous and an important big deal. Like, I, I understand that the arts, they become a way of your life on that track. So good for you. You must really love the arts. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. No, it's my pleasure to be with both of you, Rachel and Emily. And again, congratulations on such an incredible honor to be stepping into an arts high school. Really, congratulations. Thank you. So I've heard that you work for Google, right? (laughs) I do. I do work at Google. Is there someone who inspired you in your life who like made you like want to work with Google? You know, it's interesting. Thank you for the question. I never thought I would be at Google, honestly. The inspiration for much of my life is connected to an educator by the name of Mr. Gilkey. I am an individual that I grew up in foster care, Emily, and growing up in foster care and not having a biological kind of safety net of your family, you have to learn some new skills because I typically moved around a fair amount. And because of that, I was a voracious reader because reading became a bit of an escapism for me. And this particular educator in middle school actually took interest in me and realized that I love reading. And this teacher became a coach and a mentor, and he helped me make better decisions in terms of like getting involved in more advanced courses, attending some summer programs in the areas of mathematics and science. And he stood with me all the way through the decision of going to college, which I did not think I was going to do, by the way. And so... This teacher is my inspiration, and that's one of the reasons why I became a classroom teacher initially. So that was my first job out of college is I taught fourth and fifth grade. And through that whole experience, Emily, of just a passion for students and for learning and wanting to help students be their very best, an opportunity like Google presented itself, which what I do today at Google is I get the chance to go all over the world and inspire 
young learners like yourself to pursue technology because technology is a way to create and a way also to try to solve problems that we're grappling with. I mean, I bet today when you woke up, what's the first thing you did when you woke up? I took a shower. Oh, okay. You took a shower. See, unlike my children, (laughs) they grab for their phone or they grab for their device because they want to check quickly to see like what's going on. And the reason I asked you that is because technology is just part of a way of how we live today. And so here at Google, I get a chance to help others understand the creative opportunity of tech. Did it ever affect you like moving from place to place? Oh my, yes. Just think about this. You don't have dedicated adults in your life because you go from home to home. And so the impact of that for me, Emily, is I had to learn skills of how to basically self-direct myself, how to be my best advocate because I didn't have a steady adult in my life. But I also learned some other habits that I had to untrain. Habits like I'm very shy and being shy, I tended to be a loner. And so I tended not to want to rely or depend on people. I had to untrain myself from that because we need each other. We need a community. There is nothing we can do in this life alone. We absolutely need one another. And so I had to unlearn this idea of being a loner and not needing anyone. But yeah, so growing up in foster care has had a very lasting impact on my life, for sure. And you had mentioned before that you met your mentor in high school. Are you still in contact with them today? He has since passed, but I carry his legacy with me everywhere I go. But I also have other mentors. And so that's also advice that I would give you is you continue to expand your community of support because you need different mentors for different things. You might need a mentor that's an expert in what you care about, or you may need a mentor just to be a shoulder to cry on. And so expand your network of mentors, which is what I've done. And was he someone that was like super close to you? Like you had like full faith and trust in him? So he is one that I trusted his advice. And when he said, Shanika, you should try this, you can do it. I took him at his word, even when I doubted myself. And so that's the role that he served for me is he connected me to different opportunities. He gave me a lot of confidence in myself. And then he exposed me to things that I didn't even know existed. So like I participated in a number of summer programs in technology and science and math. I didn't know those things existed. My caregivers and my parents didn't know, but he did. So yes, I trusted him in terms of advising me. So I'm 13 right now. When you were my age, did you ever think of yourself doing this right now, working in Google? Yeah. So Emily, I could know. So the short answer is no. I never even imagined that I would have gone to college. I don't know what I thought for myself at your age, but it certainly wasn't being at Google. Honestly, Emily, for me at your age, I probably was really focused on kind of the basics. Like, I hope that I get to stay in this home with this family for the full year. One of the things that I did at your age, Emily, and it sounds like you actually have this trait, I was a very good student. I worked hard. I studied hard. Now, my motivation for that was also to try to have stability. I wish it was driven out of possibly what you're driven by, which is a passion and something that you love and care about. So yeah, so that's probably where my mindset is. Now, fast forward, I'm where you are probably today. I'm driven by a passion and my motivation to help others and to build things, new things with technology. Whereas I think you're a creative. Sounds like you're into dance and music and the arts. You did go to college, right? 
I did. I did. What college did you go to? Yeah, I went to a local state college. I went to Old Dominion University and I have my undergraduate, I have a master's and I, I have a PhD and I'm now working on a second master's at the University of Pennsylvania. So yes, I have college degrees, which are important, right? Because I have to get the training and the knowledge. Did you, like you said that you moved from home to home, were you like mainly focused on that? So like it didn't let you like, how do I explain this? Did that ever like stop you from thinking of what you're going to do in the future? Yeah, that's a very insightful question. You know, it's interesting. I was pretty independent by the time I was your age. So I had learned a lot of skills on how to navigate and advocate for myself. And so I think the way I thought about it was I can't wait to be 18 and I can have my own place. That way I could have stability. You know, one of the things I thought about was buying my own car. So I, I started working pretty early. I grew up in the state of Virginia. And in Virginia, you can start working with your caregiver's permission at 14 and eight months. So I got a job pretty quickly because for me, I thought about independence. How can I be independent more quickly? So that's typically what I thought about is how can I have my own apartment, my own home? Um, if I were to go back and talk to my younger self, my 13-year-old self, Emily, if I were where you are today, I would have said to myself to dream bigger, dream higher, dream about what's possible versus just trying to exist and survive. Yeah. Was making friends for you like a hard thing because you moved from place to place? So did that affect your life as well? Yeah, you know, it did because I was shy and I tended to be a loner. But by high school, I was placed in a more stable family. So I stayed with the same family through high school. And I had this educator who was a champion and a mentor to me. I began to come out of my shell I was actually voted most likely to succeed in high school. So I played sports. That helped me to get out of my shell because you're part of a team. And then again, I was a really good student. So I was a part of student government. I was part of a lot of leadership clubs in high school. All of those things helped me to break the habit of being a loner and thinking I didn't need anyone. So yeah, I had a lot of friends. I actually, funny enough, I met with a friend from high school for dinner two weeks ago. It was incredible to connect with someone that knew me when I was your age. It's a lot of fun. Did you ever face obstacles to like, to get where you are like right now? I did, yeah, I totally did. So I think one of the first obstacles that I can think about that I confronted goes back to not having my biological natural families. And a lot of the activities that I participated in early on in high school, for example, we would be at events and you'd see their moms and dads with them, celebrating them, getting their awards and their accomplishments. And I didn't have that. That was hard. And so that's an obstacle that I had to overcome for myself, which is that I had to create my own community. Another obstacle that I've encountered and still do is I'm a woman in technology. There are not a lot of women in technology. That's something that we're working to change. And so having to be comfortable with the fact that I might be one of a few in the room making decisions, that's an interesting challenge for me. So the way that I've been overcoming that in particular here at Google is we have what are called affinity groups. These are groups of like communities. And so what I have done is I have joined a group called Women at Google. And so that's a group of you know many thousands of women all over the world that work at Google 
and we come together and we support each other, we coach each other, we give each other advice. And so that's helped me with this particular obstacle, which by the way, I have faced at just about every company that I've worked at. In particular, if you work in tech or in industries that don't have a lot of women, that's an obstacle, having been a woman, the only woman or very few women in the room. Did you ever like have a moment in your life where you felt like giving up, like you didn't want to do this or that? Yeah. So, you know, I have. I'll tell you one moment in particular. When I was a sophomore in college working on my first degree, my undergraduate degree, I was studying computer science. And the courses were really difficult. The coding courses, the computer science courses, very hard. And I would go to the tutor and go to my professor to try to get help. But it just, I wasn't able to understand and understand as quickly as the course was moving. So I, you know, it would take me, and I'll make this up, but it would take me a couple of weeks to learn content that my professor had taught three weeks ago. So it was just difficult to keep up with how the content was taught. And I made a decision that I was going to stop my computer science pursuit. And what I ended up doing was pivoting to getting a minor in computer science and I pursued mathematics. Now, that's a decision, Emily, that I have wanted to correct. And so one of the things I'm doing right now, Emily, <laughs> as I'm over 40, is I've, I've begun pursuing my master's in computer science as a Googler. So I'm going back to try to complete that promise that I had made to myself. And did you ever like technology? Because me personally, I don't like technology at all. <laughs> what about technology do you not like? I'm curious. So in my school, technology, like we have to like code. And mm -hmm. for me, I don't enjoy that. It's something mm -hmm. that I find not that interesting. Sure. Yeah. And you know, that's fair. Right. We all have different interests and it sounds like you're a creative. And so I would say, look, coding is not for everyone. We don't need everyone to be a coder. What we do need is that we need everyone to understand that technology is a tool and how to best use that tool for your intended purpose. Right. It's totally OK that coding is not your thing. And to be fair, coding wasn't my thing either. I had to work at it. But what I loved is what the coding would allow us to do. It's like speaking another language, right? It's just, it's the language that machines understand. And so you probably have studied another language in school, or if not, you soon will. <laughs> but it's hard. Anytime you learn something new and you don't understand the language and the semantics of the language, you have to practice. So I was not drawn to coding, Emily. I was actually drawn to what coding could help us do, the problems that it could help us solve. Yeah. Was it like a really hard time to decide on like what you wanted to do? You know, I believe when you pursue the things that you love and the things that give you energy, you're going to land and you're going to follow a path that is right for you. So joining Google or joining any of my other jobs or companies, not hard. They were easy decisions because they align with the things that give me joy and they align to my purpose. Easy decision. And I believe that when you pursue the things that you find joy and energy in, you're always going to land in the right place. Don't pursue money. Don't pursue fame. Pursue what gives you joy and pursue purpose, right? 
Because there are some things that give us joy that may not be good and beneficial, to be clear. But think about how it's tied to your purpose and what you're naturally good at. And then that's what you pursue. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do for my future. Yeah. Me, I think that I want to do acting, dancing. But at the yeah. same time, I don't know if it's, like, going to be enough. I don't know if I'm going to, like, earn the right amount of money. to like. Ah, yeah. So you know what, Emily? And I'm a firm believer of this. And there's a lot of wisdom here around this point. There's a lot of research that supports this, is that um, when things are given to us, like salary, earning, income, you live at those means. And then if you get more, you get like you figure out a way to live because, again, you're pursuing what you love. Right. I wouldn't worry about the money. I personally wouldn't do that. What I would encourage you to do is as you are in high school, I'm sure you'll have experiences to do this. I would connect to people that do what you think you want to do and get an opportunity to maybe shadow them or spend a few hours with them. You know, they do these what they call job shadows. That's what I would encourage you to do is to shadow different opportunities, because what you will find is that there are lots of ways that creatives show up in all different kinds of industries. They're not just actors and actresses. They're voice characters. Disney has actors and actresses that do all kinds of things on their cruise ships, in their parks, in their animation studio as voiceover. I think you will be pleasantly surprised once you start shadowing professionals in these creative fields that there's a whole new world that you just never even thought of. You don't have to have all the answers. You know, research tells us that your cohort, your generation, you guys will have an average 15 jobs before you turn 60. In my parents' generation, they had on average three jobs, right? Your generation is clearly fans of trying different things. So I would say don't limit yourself. Be very good at your craft and opportunities are open. How long have you been working there? Like, has that like impacted your life in a positive or a negative way? Yeah. So I've been here at Google two years, which is hard to believe, but because it's gone fast. And prior to being here at Google, I, w- I worked at Amazon for almost six years. Any career that you take on will change your life. And an example of that, Emily, is I travel for work. I have two teenagers, 16 and 17. And so I have to adjust to make sure that they know mom's traveling for two days or um the other kinds of adjustments is because I spend a fair amount of time like visiting schools. I have to adjust my schedule so that I can be available when schools are open kind of thing. What do you do throughout your day? And what's your job like? Like, do you feel comfortable in your working space? I do. So I absolutely feel comfortable in my working space because I love the people that I work with. So I work with some of the most incredible, bright experts in the field of computer science and education. I love that. My day-to-day includes a lot of things. I get to spend time with students like yourself. So I visit classrooms all the time to actually look at what students are learning and coding. So I do a lot of classroom visits. I get to spend time talking to um, founders and nonprofits that are trying to help more students get interested in technology. I work with engineering teams to understand some of the problems that they're trying to solve using technology. And then I spend a fair amount of time with my team. So I I manage a team of almost 100, and they are located all over the world. Zurich, London, France, Germany, Canada, and of course the U.S. 
So I spent a fair amount of time talking to my team and trying to figure out how to support them with the projects that they're working on. So every day is different, which I love. I love that. I don't like routine, but I spend a lot of time with people, even though I work for a technology company. I do spend a lot of time with people, which I love. And you said that you visit many schools, right? Mm-hmm. So was there any like moment that stood out to you? Yeah. So here's one visit that comes to mind. This school had like a science fair, I think it was, where teams of students worked together for this science theme. They picked a topic like climate, sustainability, clean water. And during this visit, the students had to create a two-minute pitch and hopefully get someone to vote for them to say that they had the better project. And I got an opportunity to spend time with, I don't know, seven or eight of these teams. And I was just so inspired by these young people. And these were middle schoolers, so eighth graders, seventh and eighth graders. They had done all this research. They knew the problem really deeply. But then they used really scrappy ways to try to solve clean water, right? Because they didn't have a lot of money. I mean, they didn't have any money. So they had to use things like cardboard and, and plastic gallon containers and soda bottles to try to figure out how to come up with a clean water mechanism. I was really inspired by that. And it forced me to think about, because look, as I said, I spent a lot of time with engineers and colleagues thinking about solving problems. It was just humbling to be with these young people who were solving problems in really scrappy ways. Like it was incredible. Okay. Are there like any favorite parts that you like about working with Google? There are a lot of favorite parts, and I'll start with the easy favorite parts. So Google is known as one of the best companies to work for in the world, and part of it is because how they treat their employees. So all of our buildings have cafeterias where we eat breakfast and lunch for free. We have bicycles that allow us to move between our campuses easily and freely. We get access to some of the best, brightest thinkers in the world that come to Google and talk to us about their space. So those are some of the benefits that most people know about, which is incredible. But there are other parts to being here at Google that I love, which is Google is concerned with making the world better. So we spend a lot of our time paying attention to the problems that are facing our world. And then we come together to figure out how do we make it better using technology, if possible. And so I love that. I love problem solving, which is why I think I'm good at math, because I look at it as a puzzle. I love puzzles. I love logic. And so at Google, we get the chance to actually try to figure out how to help other people and how to make the world better. And I love that. And is there like a least favorite part about working with Google? A least favorite? Well, you know, what I would say, there are moments where we watch the technology that we've built to do good to actually be used in harmful ways. That's hard. And that's something we spend a lot of time thinking about because we have a responsibility as the creators of the technology to figure out ways and to put guardrails in place to make sure that what we build is ultimately being used for its intention, which is to do good. And so, yeah, we've had hard days where we have to think about the fact that some bad actors are using technology to do harm. So those are tough days and hard conversations. I would say another one is when team members move on. So work feels like a family in a lot of ways for me. 
but for various reasons, people move on. And so it's hard to say goodbye to friends and colleagues that you've built relationships with. I'm happy for them, but it's hard to see them go. And what are you trying to achieve in your job? What I'm trying to achieve is ensuring that the individuals that build the technology that we use every day, that those individuals look like the communities that we serve. So we want more women. We want more individuals of color building and creating the technology that we use every day. Because what we don't realize is that, and this is in everything, not just in technology, but in everything, we tend to allow our lived experiences to inform our decisions, right? And so we need people with a lot of different experiences at the table to make sure that we're building the right thing and we're building the right thing responsibly. So what I'm trying to achieve is to make sure that more Shanikas and Emilys get the opportunity to be at companies like Google or Amazon or Microsoft and build the technology that's changing the world. Do you see yourself working at Google for like the rest of your life or do you plan on doing something different? Yeah. So, you know, honestly, it's funny you asked this question. I was chatting with another group of young women who asked me something similar. Google's an incredible company. One of the things that I love about this organization is that we can dream about new things and start figuring out how to make them happen and how to create them and develop them. And being in an environment like that is something that makes Google feel like home for me. And so where I am today is absolutely where I see myself long term because of the environment and the climate that I have with my other colleagues and what Google affords us to do, which is to dream and then to figure out how to make the dreams possible. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason, like where you are from like today? That's what, again, your questions, it's like talking to this, this older wisdom grandmother. I love it. Yes. So, Emily, I live my life believing there are no regrets. I don't live in regrets, right? You can't unscramble eggs, as one of my friends tell me all the time. You can't change the past. So you can't live there. But what you can do is you can learn from it and move forward. And so I do believe that there are no coincidences in life. I believe if I meet a person like meeting you today, that's not a mistake. I believe all of these meetings and moments and anything that happens in life, it serves a purpose. I may not know what the purpose is in that moment, but it serves a purpose. And let me give you an example about Google. I was speaking at a conference at the time with a different company and talking about some innovative things that we were doing. And a Google leader happened to see me there. And we connected and just chatted. That was years ago. And then fast forward, an opportunity opened up where they thought I would be a good fit. And they reached out. And that encounter was years ago, right? So I don't believe in coincidences. I think everything happens for a reason. I think you don't live in the past, but you learn from it. And then you get better. So that's how I think about it, Emily. What do you think? Do you believe that there's a purpose? Everything happens for a reason? Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I do. Sometimes like you take steps to like where you like to like where you are from now. 
But I truly believe that everything happens for a reason. Like, yeah. even it could be unexpected. Yeah. And I think those are even the best opportunities, right? Because you don't plan it, right? You get to respond in the moment. I'm there with you, Emily. I completely agree. Do yeah. you have, like, do you have hobbies that you like to do instead of working at Google? Like, is it something that you enjoy? I do. Yeah. So I'm still a voracious reader. So I read a lot. I like to travel. So I have uh, different travel groups that I travel with. Maybe three weeks out of the year, I try to travel. I'm highly involved with my kiddos. My kids play sports and are involved in the arts. My daughter's a dancer. My son does football and track. So highly involved in their lives. And then I'm deeply involved in my local church. So I volunteer, I teach Sunday school, that kind of thing. So again, teaching, education. (laughs) Do you like learn things when you travel around? I do. Yeah. I learned the important lesson that how you've always done something in the past isn't always the right thing for today. So, for example, the way that I was taught 30 plus years ago in high school, there are new ways to teach 13 and 14 year olds that actually gets to their level and uses the tools and the mediums that you all use. You know, our teachers have hard jobs, very hard jobs. And so I spend a lot of time listening to them to figure out how we can help make their jobs easier if we can. So yeah, I do learn a lot when I visit and travel. And you had said you had been inspired from someone. Like, have you ever inspired someone else? So I hope so. I aim to. And I have heard from a number of students, parents, educators that have heard my full story. They find that really inspirational, primarily because there's nothing special about me. There really is nothing special about me outside of the fact I work hard, I have a strong community, and I pursue the things that I care about. And I think that's what's unique about me, if I had to say that. But I think it's inspirational to know that, look, somebody like Shanika that looks like Shanika that came out of foster care can end up at a company like Google, leading a large team and trying to solve problems. I think that's inspirational to most. Do you have any advice for me? Ooh, any advice for you? In my short time with you, Emily, I can tell that you work hard, that you're focused. It sounds like you're dreaming big for yourself and you set goals for yourself. So that's a starting point. Dream big, set goals, pursue your passion. I also would encourage you to not be afraid to connect with people that are doing the things that you want to do. Reach out to people, you know, adults or professionals. People love to talk about themselves. (laughs) I'm proof of that. Don't be afraid to reach out and ask people about what they do. And then I would also encourage you to make sure that you build a community around you because you're going to have hard days. There there are going to be days where you're going to feel like giving up or days you're going to feel like, gosh, am I doing the right thing? And if you have this community, they're going to dust you off, let you cry a little bit and then get you back out there so that you don't give up. Thank you for taking your time to talk to me. I enjoyed your story a lot and you inspired me a lot. Amazing. And Emily, right right back at you. Such a pleasure to meet you. I wish I were where you were at the age of 13, but I'm a slow learner. You're ahead of the game. So <laughs> just a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> okay. Same to you. 
think you answered some of this earlier, Shanika, but we ask all our guests the same question at the end of every show. If you could go back in time and speak to yourself when you were 13, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself? Yeah, the advice would be to dream bigger, to take the limits off of myself, to not be afraid, and to take a risk on me. Take a risk on yourself. And so that's what I would say to myself. Take the limits off, dream big, take a risk. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much. This was such a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for listening to Formative, a production of New York Edge. I'm your host, Rachel Gazdick. My co-host today was Emily from IS295 in Queens Village. She was assisted by Valerie and Mandeep. Season four of Formative is brought to you by the generous support of Macy's Inc. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Race Car. This episode was produced by Tasha A.F. Lemley. Post-production by Alex Brower. Original music by Garrett Tiedemann. Production management by Gabriella Montekin. Thanks to the whole team here at New York Edge for making this series possible. Never miss an episode of Formative by subscribing to the series at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.